You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. If it's Moisai Shabbos, this must be Rizchadaraisa, our second season. Yes, as promised, we are back. After a break about of a month, I am Aprom Kivalevich, and I'm here with Harav Agoyen of Rabbi Yosef Gavriel Bechofel. Uh, author of uh, the newly uh, released fourth edition of the Contemporary Eruv on sale now, and I think it's selling like hotcakes, through Feldheim. And uh, for those of you who are podcast avid listeners, this past week on Shuvah Suposkim, Rabbi Yosef Gabriel didn't just fill in. He knocked it out of the park with an incredible a uh, podcast description of what it's like to be the burden of expertise. Hope you like my title on that one, a revasive Gabriel. But I know the, we've already gotten some good feedback on that. So I know that happens. I did see you, I did see you a couple of days ago, but we haven't really talked like this for a month. And in this month that we're now, uh, really in the heart of Chaydash Elul and we left off like towards the, I guess it was around Tisha B'Av or before, um, maybe right after. So a lot of stuff has gone, uh, has happened. Let's start, you know, Kederach uh, Hanimus. Let's start with Ktanim, Tzarech Ktanim, before we get to the Inyonim of Gedolim. Uh, let's talk about what's happening again, because we, 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 we've been pretty apolitical, although uh, you haven't been uh, in, in, in your, uh, on the website or the, the, the Facebook site that you manage. Let's talk about politics a little bit. I don't think any of us can ignore the fact that we are heading towards an election. Um, and we, uh, are on the, we've just had the, the wrap up of the Republican National Convention done mostly through, uh, virtually through Zoom and the Democratic, uh, at before that. Um, I'm not so political and I don't think it's going to make a difference in New York and New Jersey how you vote anyway. We know it's going to be Democratic, but let's hear what, uh, Rabbi Yosef Gavriel was telling his, uh, Talmidim and others about his day, uh, on the choice that stands before America uh, in less than uh, 80 days or whatever it is. Go ahead. Well, the truth is that until this past week, I was thinking of uh, writing in my wife's name uh, and as my vote for president. <laughs> because I, I don't like either party and what they stand for. But this past, past week, I, I lost a job. I lost a job at Excelsior College. Uh, as we all know, uh, New York, at least, is a, is a state in which you work at will. They don't need a reason to dismiss you. You've been there for a long time. Uh, and their new supervisor came onto the program, and uh, she just got rid of all the old guard. Everybody who had been teaching there in the past, she, she fired and she hired her own new people, which, of course, since we are a capitalist country, is totally permitted. And I'd be getting my health insurance through um, the college, the Excelsior College, and now I'm losing my health insurance. And it struck me that anybody in our age bracket, near or around 60, would be insane not to vote for Biden. Because Biden is promising, uh, or, or he's going to attempt to start Medicare at age 60. Besides that, New York, in New York State, under um, Trump, anybody who lives there, certainly myself, lost thousands and thousands of th- dollars and continues to lose thousands and thousands of dollars because Trump decided to take revenge against democratic states 
and cap our local property and state uh, deductions from from federal taxes at ten thousand dollars, even though my property tax alone, living in the um, you know in the corrupt state of Muncie, is over twenty thousand dollars a year. So, uh, besides that, my wages have not gone up as a teacher under um, uh, Trump since the past in the past four years uh, from other jobs. And I have not seen any economic boom from this fellow Trump. I've only seen losses. I only see future devastation. So I don't see how anybody sane can vote for Trump unless they're billionaires. I saw a quote this week, which said from an article Jewish Week in 2012. I forgot who the writer was, but he wrote, I would not phrase it this way, I think it's a little bit racist, but he wrote that the Orthodox Jews uh, live like Puerto Ricans, but vote like billionaires. In other words, they want all the programs and all the uh, subsidies, which unfortunately I, I don't get. And at the same time, they want to vote, they vote for Republicans who want to abolish all these uh, subsidies and all these programs. So in enlightened economic self-interest, if nothing else, the person to vote for is Biden and the Democrats, not the Republicans. Uh -huh. Wow, you surprised me a little bit. Um... Well, well, okay. First of all, I want to tell you that it's not going to make a difference anyway, because there is such a predominant – Trump has no chance of getting New York or where I live in New Jersey. So our vote is basically meaningless. It's going to go uh, – the state based on the Electoral College is going to go uh, Democrat anyway. So really all this – you know, I, I really have to say – I, I feel bad for you. Uh, I'm not exactly uh, in any greater boat than you are, but I am surprised that you're that you feel that despite – you know, uh, what many Orthodox people are saying that Trump's tremendous stand with the state of Israel, uh, his dedication to, uh, uh, to Jewish causes, uh, preaching Yerushalayim is the undivided capital, the, the Iran, uh, nuclear deal is, is, is never going to happen under Trump. Um, and what about all the, the violence that's happening in the cities? Uh, whether you want to call it social unrest or peaceful marches that devolve into violence because of reactions. That's, that's hilarious. It's, it's, it's absurd. Would be hilarious. It wasn't so sad. I love the way uh, the Trump campaign goes around and goes around with the, uh, trumpeting the violence as Biden's America. Hello? Who's the president today? Is Biden the president? No. Trump is the president. This is happening on his watch because of his failed policies. And they're not going to get better in the next, unless he wants to start a civil war, which I think he would be okay with. They're not going to get better in his next round, in his next four years. I see. So you actually believe that the... Um, the man is a maneuver and look at Shreem, which has no... I'm asking 100%. Anybody no, who... no principles, has no ideas, has no clue what to do about anything unless he has, uh, except unless on the basis of what his advisors tell him. He happens to have advisors like Kushner who tell him to be nice to Israel. The advisors like Taki Cannon, he'd be bad to Israel. It all depends who's advising. I'm him. him. I'm him that he is, that it is a bazillion awesome that this man is our president. Um, I am him. And I think that uh, I've been saying it for years, and I, I'm on public record about how ridiculous he is, a ridiculous buffoon. And you're right, I'm a novel. 
And definitely, I don't know if he's a Mukhashkin, but uh, if he does, he has good doctors that are helping yes, him out. Yes, a fake fan. He has the doctors helping him out on that. Um, I, I guess the question is, you know, is, um, uh, you know, there is a, uh, we know that the, the Jewish press and other many, uh, yes, I wouldn't know if they call them esteemed Orthodox publications, are very, <laughs> are, are very, <laughs> 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 some people hold them in esteem. Uh, are backing Trump and are saying that, uh, you know, they're saying that, uh, that America is devolving. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago with, um, you know, when we talked about, uh, the, the move, people should move there to Israel or not. Um, so here you are, uh, basically saying that every, uh, out of self-interest and definitely, uh, Biden will definitely be a, a, a greater choice. I personally believe, and again, I'll, I'll say it on record that, uh, maybe he'll last four years. I think we're probably looking more at President, uh, Kamala Harris. Fine. Fine. I'll still get Medicare at 60. What? Fine. We'll still get Medicare at 60. Uh, okay. So that's really what it's about. Aren't you 60 already? Yeah, I'm older than you, so I'm yeah, I'm 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 happy. Look, especially since yeah, we're living under the fear. But, but but again, I'll just tell you one thing that bothers me. I, I don't think you could say as much as I feel Trump is a buffoon, uh, a, a mushkis, and everything. I'm not sure if we could say all. You know, he was he definitely fumbled the ball. But is who knows why there's 180,000 people dead? To say that Trump is the reason 180,000 people are dead. I mean, the Democrats have really been, I think, guilty of overstating the case as well. Trump is right, right. 180,000 people dead. That's that's laid out at Trump's feet. I, I don't think you can say that. You're right. I think the way he punishes states that don't uh, fall in line with him is ugly and terrible. Um, and uh, look, we'll see. Mir Hashem. I, you know, as you say, all politics is local. Mm-hmm. Um, so I hear what you said, but, but, but you haven't responded to what I said, cause I don't think it's gonna make a difference how you vote anyway. I, I, and I don't know if you should risk, uh, I know you're not as old as me. Maybe you shouldn't risk going to the polls or you, you've already, you're already going to send in your, you're already sending in your, uh, write-in ballot already. You're sending in I, your mail. I, I'm not thinking of I don't think we're going to the polls. No, yeah. I'm I think your, I think your wife's going to be unhappy with your choice. Cause I think, uh, you probably right. would have gotten more cred with her by, by sending her in for president. I don't think yeah. so. Yeah. She'd probably be better than Kamala Harris, though, I think. I didn't say, but, you know, yeah. I thought she had a chance. Maybe if you write her in New Jersey, not write her in New York, maybe the title will turn. Yeah, look, you know, look, I think you can still <laughs> find that U.S. News and World Report art, uh, uh, cover feature of how she turned around Hannah Sachs. Maybe she could turn mm-hmm. around the swamp in Washington as well. Hey, that would be great. You would be first rabbi. That would be great. <laughs> you could move out of Muncie and go to Washington, D.C. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. Unfortunately, my wife can't be president because she's Canadian. So, and, and uh, I don't think that, I think that would work. So let's go from Gedolim to, let's go from Ketanim to Gedolim. Uh, over the last couple of weeks, listen, the, the Malach Hamavis is still uh, busy, unfortunately. And I say, you know, I'm sorry for uh, having a little bit of a humorous tone in my voice, but uh, let's talk a little bit about what, what's happened the last four weeks. Um, I was quite surprised and hurt to hear about uh, three basic theaters and actually uh, to give a little plug for our uh, podcast site. And I do say our podcast site because, you know, you're definitely a good part of it. Um, you know, I've been doing a special series called Who We've Lost During Corona. And um, I'm planning on uh, doing something about Rav Zalman Nechemi this week. Kodesh Baruch should give me the strength to be able to, to put it together properly. And I, I did something about Rav Steinzoltz. And we also can't uh, pr- forget someone who I think who affected both of us 
in a pretty decent way when we lived in Chicago together. Uh, Dave Keller. All of them will say Zechotzadik Levrocha on all of them. Um, you have any, uh, about the loss of, uh, and I, I don't want to discount any of the other people who have passed away, uh, Rabbonim and Poskim and Sadikim, but these are the three I think that we both had a connection to. Rabzalm Nechem, especially, who, uh, gave Askama, I think, to your Sefer, and I think you've got Smicha from him as well. So yeah. you could start with Jalm Nechemi, and then we'll go into, uh, Steinsoff, and we'll end with Rav Keller. I like one order. So let's start with Rabbi Steinsoff. Okay, uh, your order. Well, that order the Petira. Order of Petira. Okay, makes sense. So Rabbi Steinsaltz, I have to be Ram Zachar also Yishlatayv. When I was a young lad and living in Israel, in sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth grade, every Shulis I would take the Steinsaltz Gemara on Sanhedrin and learn Chaper Chelik. And this is before I knew how to learn Gemara on my own. But the Steinsaltz Gemara made it very accessible. Later in life, of course, uh, I didn't lose it much, if at all. But uh, it was, uh, for a young teenager, it was a great boon to be able to learn on one's own. On one's own. And um, he, uh, his contribution to Amitro as an individual, not as a machon, which is a remarkable thing in and of itself, is, uh, is stunning. Uh, it's for one of the great tragedies of our time, is that on account of the, uh, the, the polarization in Klaisel and because of Rav Shach's opposition to Rabbi Steinsaltz that the Haredi world basically ignored his Pira and refuses to recognize his contribution. This is a great tragedy um, because he, even he had certain differences of opinion, certain eccentricities. On the whole, he was an extraordinary Marbid Torah with few equals, in, uh, with few, few uh, parallels in our day and age. Um, I, I want to. I just want to second that, of course, and people can listen to my. Uh, it wasn't a hesped because it was done on Rosh uh, Chodesh, but um, uh, you can listen to the harakha that I said about him. And I, I really think I'm going to make a machah right here, Lumafreya, uh, that the other than Hamodia, which I think gave it one page, that the Orthodox press ignored this person, the fact that they didn't even give him a write up. Bechlal, this is a this is a shanda. Again, look. Someone who was so responsible for so much kiru, for so much love, whatever you want to say about him, the guy he cannot earn the schus of people hearing about him in the achri mois. They can't. I really can't understand it. And uh, it's bigger than Rashach. This is a this is a cancer. This is geferlach that that he can't have a, a, a hespid. Harocha Kiroi Bechalal, and they filled a newspaper with the most ridiculous Narish Gaitan in the world. I don't know. Uh, I, 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 I just look. Yes, uh, I, people, people, uh, there's a mis. People think. Uh, so I say that uh, there's no possibility of Mashiach coming anytime soon because the Sinas Chinam doesn't seem to be much better than it was at the time of the Chorban. It's a very sad thing. It's very tragic. Again, and, and especially since, um, yeah, this, look, you talked about you uh, hanging on Steinsaltz and only looking at it when you were in seventh and eighth grade. What about the, the you're talking about uh, so many disenfranchised, disaffected, modern Israelis, people who would never have touched the Gemara Bakhlau. And let's face it, had it not been for Steinsaltz laying the groundwork, Art Scroll would probably not have been able uh, to progress at the rate that it did. Definitely the Hebrew Art Scroll uh, was the great beneficiary of the Chayra Manstein's also Sfarim, 
And uh, look, I happen to think, and we, I tried to have a show with you about this, but you weren't familiar enough with the literature. I happen to think that the Koren Publishing Company has sort of created its own little niche with Steinsaltz and Shah sort of like as the main uh, element in it. Of a lot of interesting svarim that are really branching out in an area that isn't covered by Art Scroll, even by Feldheim, your uh, patrons. And uh, I'm, I'm very proud of it. I think it's, it stays within the bounds of real orthodoxy, but I think it, it involves science, Ashkofa, uh, in ways that I think could really lasso a lot more people. So Steinzoltz, uh, he should have a, he should have a Lichtig Gan Eden. And I think that uh, we should hopefully, after these, you know, after it dies down, people should come and re-examine uh, many aspects of, of his life. Again, I do have some pirachas on him. I, I, I think that he, it's unfortunate, by the way, you know, that he, that he had that stroke um, in two, in, at the end of 2016. He wasn't able to talk. So uh, he was still writing things. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I, I wished he would have perhaps, uh, and I said this to a number of Chabad friends of mine, I wish he would have included more people and mentioned more people by name, who definitely helped him with what I think is a monumental and important work. Every work is flawed. Art Scroll is flawed. We both work for Art Scroll. There are a lot of flaws in Steinsaltz and, and maybe some Amaratus as well, but there's a tremendous amount of good in there. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's talk about the, the next Seder. Was it Rechaim Dave first? or of, uh, I think it was Rechaim Dave mm-hmm. first. Mm-hmm. And then we... mm-hmm. I don't know the exact date of the Petir. Mm-hmm. I think they were very close to each other. I'm pretty sure Zalman Chemi was first. All right, you'll talk, talk about Zalman a little bit. That Ramzan Lechemia was uh, one of the Goyne Ador and was, uh, uh, you know, which, uh, obviously Ramzan Lechemia chose him for a son-in-law, but that's uh, that just shows what he was like when he was younger. But uh, he was a Kroch of the Kule Bay. He knew Kol Roz Lo'onisle, and he was in the Imam Lichos. He was Mechbal Akeilim. He was willing to teach in places which ultimately, because he taught in those places, it harmed him in the right-wing camp, which is so uh, silly about these things. But he was, he was being marbid's Torah in all places. Yeshiva is there. Regularly, Yeshiva is there. And uh, I think that the Kiddush Hashem caused by this person of the highest stature, being willing to deal with anybody who wanted to hear a Torah from him, giving smicha to anybody who, want, you know, who uh, obviously had to come in with a recommendation of some sort, but people who had who wanted to have Sikh Ryan and uh, his willingness, like even me, Hans Thomas, even though he didn't know me very well at all, I, the man was such an honor and such a goyin, and uh, it's a great loss for Israel. I hope as time goes by, this sovereign will be collected, you know, come in in many other places, and uh, be brought together, and then I'm so be able to appreciate him. In retrospect, in retrospect. Yeah, I, actually, as yes, I've been doing some research on this, and I plan on uh, uh, the could give me should give me uh, uh, some schuyas for this week. I'll be, have the refuah to be able to do it. Yes, I mean, all that listeners should know that Rabbi Avram is at death's door. Rachmanowitz, <laughs> the mother's name. What's what's your full name? Avram Yitzchok Ben Beila. Be mispalo Avram Yitzchok Ben Beila. Avram Yitzchok Ben Beila is a little bit of refuah shleima. I'll go for him. Yeah, I'm trying. Well, you kept me waiting over here because I was. I've been sitting here schwitzing with my uh, with my fever and. I hope I don't. I hope I haven't come down with anything. I call upon him. My point is that the Rav Shalom should give me the koyach to be able to be to have different harocha hesped on Rav Rav Rav, uh, Rav Zalman I, mean, I agree with you. What I do, what I do want you to know, and maybe you didn't know this, is that you know he he definitely had a lot of stuff that's already the mishpat aruch and other things which are huge volumes. Uh, many of them available for free. 
on Hebrew books, where you can definitely see the, the depth and the breadth of what he, what he was talking for Klal Yisrael. I'm not 100% sure about everybody's given smicha, though. I'm not talking about you. But I know that there are a lot of people out there, and I think he sort of invented this, like, miniature smicha for, um, and I don't know who was Mashpi on this, for people who, was, what was it called, like a Rav Umane? I don't know exactly, but a lot of people have, like, a Zalman Nechemia, a miniature smicha, right? A lot of them... Mine says Yori Yori. I can't tell you what others say. I know there are a lot of American yeshivas, and good. I think that, that he helped a lot of people in this way. And uh, it, you know, it they clear... say they say Rabbi I, I, I think Rabbi Zalmachem's shita was similar. Yitzchak Chanu gave smicha to every time Dick and Harry who came to get smicha from him. I assume within reason. And the reason says that you're not, you can't learn to be a rav until you're a rav. So he didn't put it this way, but Yitzchak Chanu basically held that the. Because they're kind of learner's permit. Okay, when you have the, then you, you get a position, you'll grow into the position. Yeah. I think that that probably is the proper attitude to have towards me. Yeah, oh, the problem is, is there are a lot of dudes out there, not Yosef Garfield Belkhofer, a lot of people out there saying, I've got Smicham Salman Achemia, and they say the same thing, and I'm going to throw in Rephraim Greenblatt, one of my Rebbeim, Pinchas Hirschprungs, that's oh, all. What am I Rebbeim too? I'm in the river of Sephraim. Oh, yeah. Anybody in the river of Sephraim. You know uh-huh. uh, are you in the river of Sephraim? I think I'm in there somewhere. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I think, yeah. anyway, here's the, here's the, yeah, you're in the river. It's a big deal. My point is, is that, yeah, that's your big schuss. Yeah, you're in the river. Of Ryan. Uh, here's the thing. Uh, uh, here's the thing. The masmichim, again, I'm not saying it was like a diploma factory, but again, there is something a little bit to be said, I think, with a grain of salt. Rizal goodness was definitely there. Sometimes I think uh, Anivas was Makalkovas Ashura giving smicha probably to people who were probably banded it about in the wrong way. Let's go now to uh, uh, our, our last godel of Chaim Dave Keller. Really an amazing story. Uh, somebody who was raised uh, modern to, I don't know exactly what it was like uh, in, in the 1930s, but clearly something It was not a, uh, what we would call a from yeshivish household, public school kid, who was seen by somebody, I'm not sure who, uh, they used some effort to bring Rav Chaim Doiv, I'm not sure what his English name, what he was known by, was into Yeshiva. Oh, Harry. What, Harry? Oh, Harry, I'm guessing. <laughs> I, don't want to, I don't want to say anything. But I'll him. Somehow they took this boy, whatever his English name was, and they got him involved in Yeshiva College, and he fell in love with the idea of languages and linguistics, and he was able to 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 sharpen his his mind in English literature, and um, he really thrived discovering a world of Torah, a world of that put so much stock on text, and he became somewhat of a master in it. And look, I, I, I'm not I wasn't a big fan of his writing style, but there's plenty of this there, a lot of stuff on display in Jewish Observer that he wrote. I think one of the first articles he wrote was in 1970, uh, challenge to modern orthodoxy or the case against modern orthodoxy. And for years he was. Uh, a, uh, I guess a, a go-to guy, uh, in terms of writing against the, uh, trends that were developing. Um, he took on Chabad very famously. Um, and, uh, you, you gotta say one thing about Rav Chaim Dave. That's all. The man was fearless in terms of, uh, you know, who he'd pick a fight with and, and to say, and to lay it on the line. Um, I don't know, when you were, uh, you know, you're a, more of a Telzer than I am. I know you, you proudly connect yourself to your, your Tells background. Um, what do you have to say about Rav Chaim Dave and, what he, and how he stands for Tells or, or not? 
So um, the, um, there's a, 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 a story which I told you, told Rabbi Rome, and I speak to him last week, uh, Friday on the phone. That I don't know if it's true or not true, but it's worth going over because it's part of Yeshiva uh, Shavuar, the type of thing which would have gone into one of the editions of making of a Godol if had he gotten that far, is that um, the, uh, they say that Rabbi Keller left YU because of a conversation with the Rav. And if the conversation actually took place or not, but it's an interesting tidbit and so we should explore it. And it said that Rabbi Chaim Doi was going up with the Rav in the elevator once. And he was complaining to Rabbi Asher Bear about the boys who were dancing at night with the girls. And they out on dates and dancing. And Rabbi Salvech is alleged to have said, Besser zu tanzen mit zei bei Nacht, wie zu trachten wegen zei de ganze Tag. Better to dance with them at night than to dance um, with them at night than to think about them the entire day. And that, I guess, at the end of that elevator ride, Rabbi Keller immediately left the tells. Uh, he, uh, Rabbi Keller uh, had this issue with Lubavitch, and that issue with Lubavitch was, uh, of course, the debate with my uncle, Uncle Emanuel, that's all. Uncle Emanuel Shachet. They had this uh, give and take in the press, both in the Jewish Observer and then later in uh, other venues about the Rebbe, about Chabad, and um, my opinion, my uncle got a bit upper hand, but um, that's neither here nor there. Uh, another interesting thing about Rabbi Keller is that they say, and I don't know if it's true, that is that um, because he went to YU before he came to Tells, he was not admitted into the Tell Secret Society. And that, in fact, his kids are members of the Tell Secret Society, but he was not allowed. So his, his brother was, his brother in law, Avram Chaim, was, right? I'm sure he was, yeah. Avram Chaim was definitely part of this, yeah. So that doesn't speak so well about Tells. I would have to say again, again and, and by the way, I'm, I'm, I'm getting one of uh, Rav Keller's uh, Talmidim. Uh, to record a hespit for us that's going to be on the podcast side soon, I hope. Um, but mm-hmm. I would assume that uh, the apocryphal story that you said probably is less true than the fact that he wasn't in the Rav Shear, and maybe the Rav wasn't, he wasn't able to be in the Rav Shear because maybe he didn't have uh, the strong Gemara background that you needed to be in the Rav Shear. Instead, he was by one of the greatest Oyeve Torah in the world, I can tell you this because I had a tremendous amount of uh, uh, connection to him, David Lipschitz, and I only was with him when he used to come to Miami uh, for a month or two in the in, in the winter to rest up. But the man stayed in the Bismedrish every single day, and he used to come to his wife, Rabbi Zwei's yeshiva, where I was learning, and talk to all the Bukhrim and just have the biggest geschmack and learning you could ever have. Well, so that think- makes more sense because David Lipschitz was the founder of Shimon, and Rabbi Shimon's derech was... I, I pra- pra- was supposed to be the tells of Derek, although by the time Rabbi Keller got the tells, I don't think it was operative anymore. Yeah, well, I, I think what, uh, and I think Rabbi David really is the one that influenced him to go to tells. Um, and I would say further, um, you know, the, uh, just to tell you another story, uh, for years, until um, I don't, Cordoza, I believe, uh, allowed or uh, allowed there to be developed a gay club, a club for, for, for gay students, Rav Chaim Dave Keller paid every year his dues as a yeshiva uh, college alumni. And he did this out of Akaras HaToyv. 
because they took him in and because he learned things and he used the things that he learned. Uh, in his case, Uman Kovach Shamayim. It was only when he felt that YU had allowed that, and again, this he spoke very strongly against, allowing that club to exist without shutting it down, that he stopped paying his dues. So I think that tells you a lot about Rabbi Chaim Doiv, first in terms of his sense of Akaras Hatov, his sense of doing the right thing, and his also sense of saying he was unbending in terms of what he held was over the line and where you have to make a machal, where you have to be against these type of things. Um, and, um, you know, I think that, uh, look, you have to give, you have to give a person cred for standing up to his principles and not just being a political animal that would just bend with the wind. And I think you can say that about, uh, Rav Chaim if he was in that sense, uh, somebody who had a lot of strength mm-hmm. and even the fact that he never, you know, they put him on the presidium. He couldn't sit on the Mayetzes. <laughs> I think he was macabre a lot. And I can tell you, I, I used to see him a lot in shul. Uh, he used to daven often in the shul where I davened uh, in Chicago, Leif Sameach. And he didn't prava godless, uh, you know, as much of a strong person as he was. He was very, very easily accessible and approachable. And, um, oh, yeah, godless is very tall. <laughs> yes, he was very, very, he was very tall. And, but again, I, I really, I, I found him, uh, despite his roar and what he wrote, I found him uh, an easily accessible person and someone that I could go over and speak with. Um, and we, you never had a yachas with him when you were either, you were a rabbi in a show in Chicago and you had telzers who daven with you. You never had... Uh, no, I'm not even sure I ever spoke. What? You don't think he ever spoke? No. Well, I'll cope on him. Anyway, on that note, we should... On that note, we should... We went Baruch Hashem tonight, I think, from the doddering 70-year-old Ketanim some of them might be leading on our America. Uh, Yosef, Rabbi Yosef Bechoffer is definitely rooting. He's going with the winner here, the one who the polls are showing with Joe Biden. Kivalevich remains apolitical. I haven't voted yet. Don't think I'm going to vote this not... time. Okay. I've uh, never uh, voted yet, and I, I hope I'll make it with Biden's Medicare for many, many years as a non-voter. That's it, my friends. That's it for Rizka Daraisa this week. Hashem. This is season two. We'll be back next week, hopefully, with some new exciting topic that'll get hopefully the Rasikas boiling. Be well, everyone. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.